Thank you for listening to Sermon Audio from Hill City Church in Springfield, Missouri. We are a community of believers who exist to glorify God by making disciples who bring gospel restoration to our city and world. For more information about Hill City or to support our ministry, you can find us online at hillcitysgf.org. Good morning, Hill City Church. You have a seat. It's good to see you this morning. Beautiful spring day in the great city of Spring Fun Mo. Um, here's, a th- here's some announcements I want to just throw out there. Actually, this is really, really important here. Um, next Sunday, we will begin. I know it's Memorial Weekend. Um, we're going to begin one gathering on Sundays. One gathering on Sundays, 10 o'clock. There will be one gathering on Sundays throughout the summer at 10 a.m. in this place. Now, here's another thing that we're very excited about. We are going to add a midweek gathering uh, for Hill City Church. It'll be Wednesday nights. It will be here, but it'll be up on the second floor. Wednesday nights will be the same thing that's going to happen on Sunday. Same sermon, same passage, all that. Wednesday night gathering, Sunday morning gathering. And our heart behind that is this. We understand what summer brings for a lot of you, a lot of your schedules. Um, and, And our heart is that you not disconnect from your family. Hey, this is a family. This, this, is, this is your church family. And for you to disconnect for two, three months at a time, it just isn't healthy. This is important in the life of a believer. So we understand a lot of travel, a lot of vacations, maybe even a lot, a lot of you have lake houses. We want you to stay connected to your church. So we are going to gather on Wednesday nights. So if you ever are out of town uh, on a Sunday, you can just jump in on a Wednesday night. And we'll be excited about that. We'll be excited to see you on Wednesday night. So that all is going to start next Sunday, uh, and then we'll roll with that. So, all right. If you have your Bibles today, get them out. If you don't have your Bibles, get out your phones and download a Bible app really quickly if you don't have one on there. Um, I'm not going to have slides today because we're just going to be bouncing all over a chapter of Luke. So just, just be ready. Luke. Chapter 18, now before we dive in, I, what, what, what would you do? What would you do, what would you say if I told you that I could stand beneath the St. Louis Arch, look up, and jump up and touch the top of it? Like what if I told you that I could do that, not only that I could do it, but I have done it on my own? Now, if you're wondering, that is only 630 feet to the top of that structure. And if I told you this, you would not not even remotely for one second entertain that that was true. You would just laugh and be like, you're an idiot, but why are you telling me this? Maybe that's what you're saying right now. Here's my argument. We say it every day. You've said it. I've said it. People say it and believe it about themselves all the time. And this brings us to a dilemma. And I call it the dilemma of righteousness. When I say righteousness, here's here's what I think, okay? I think righteousness is kind of in 2019, it's a a churchy word. It's It's a word that's used in church. More, more than any other 
place. And I, 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 doubt, I doubt that if we went to some food establishment or drink establishment in town that we would, and eavesdropped on the conversation, I, I doubt that we would hear a whole lot of talk about righteousness. Okay, it's not that the people in there are bad, it's just like that's not something we just talk about a lot. You might hear the word self-righteous, but of course if you heard that, that would be somebody talking about somebody else. All of us desperately want it, and at the same time, we desperately hate it. All of us want to be righted. All of us want to be right. And just for today, I would ask you to just go with me here, and for the remainder of our gathering here, when you hear me say righteousness, I want you to think of the word approval. See, in first century Palestinian context, the only way that you were actually approved for society is if you were righteous. Meaning, if if you were not approved for society, it would be because you were sick, or you had disease, or because you were poor. And the reason you were sick and you had disease and you were poor is because you were unrighteous. You were cursed by God. That's why you were that way. So righteousness and approval go together. Let me just give you one more lens before we dive into the passages through which you could view this. So think of a courtroom. And maybe you're standing before a judge or a person is standing before a judge or a jury of, of, of his peers. And that jury... Or that judge can pronounce this person approved or disapproved. Like I can, I, this person can be approved to go back into society and live their lives, or they can be disapproved of and say, no, no, we're going to lock you up. Approval. We all desperately want it. Let's jump in. Luke chapter 18. We'll start in verse 9. Now listen, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, we're going to read a little bit about a guy. And then we're going to jump down. We're going to read about another guy. And then we're going to keep jumping back and forth. I'm just gonna, we're going to be all over the place. I'm just warning you. But we're going to get somewhere. So just do the gymnastics with me this morning. Okay? Verse 9. He also told this parable... To some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. Now let me just do a quick side note because I think it's important to see this. This is Jesus and it says Jesus told this parable to some who trusted themselves in righteousness. It didn't say he told this parable about some who thought they were righteousness. Side note, it says nothing to do with where we're going today. I just want to tell you this. May we mimic our king and not talk about people, but how about we talk to people? Yeah? Okay? Let's get back in the passage. I'm not going to say another word about it. He told a parable to some who trusted themselves that they were righteous or approved, and they treated others with contempt. Here it is. Two men went into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector, The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed, God, I thank you that I'm not like other men, 
extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector, I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. Okay, I'm going to stop right there. So here's, here's what we got. This is a parable, but we got a guy. And we heard how he prayed. I just want you to remember it. Lock it away. Hold that rope. Go down to verse 18. Down to verse 18. And the ruler asked him. This is the story of the rich young ruler. And this ruler asked him, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good except God. Now let me do another side note thing, okay? I just want to... um, I just want to teach you a, a truth about goodness. And here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Hill City Church, just allow me just for a second just to pastor you for a minute about goodness. Okay? This guy comes to Jesus. He says, good teacher, what must I do? And Jesus didn't even answer at first. He says, why do you call me good? Nobody's good except for God. So, so, so listen. Why do bad things happen to good people? Right? We've heard this. That's kind of a tough question to rest. Now listen, I'm just pastoring you here. What I'm getting ready to tell you, I'm not saying go on the sidewalks and scream it. I'm just saying it's going to be helpful for you to believe this in your heart. Okay? Why do bad things happen to good people? Based off what I just heard Jesus say, that only ever happened one time in history. He's the only one that's ever walked a planet that's good. Like, a lot of really good things happen to bad people all the time. Anybody make it here safely this morning? God is good, isn't he? That's a good thing that happened to us. I'm just saying, you've got to understand that here. That's all. Just a side note. Let's go back to the passage. We good? Good? All right. Just a little truth about goodness. No one is good except God alone. That's what Jesus said. Then he says, you know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother. And he said, this is the rich young ruler, he said, all these things I've kept from my youth. So let's stop right there. We've got a Pharisee who prays. We saw how he prayed. God, I thank you that I am incredible. And I'm more incredible than them. And then you've got this rich young ruler who says, Oh, all that? That's easy peasy, Jesus. I've been doing that since I was a kid. I have been not murdering people since I was a kid. 
And in these two scenarios, we see a dilemma of righteousness or a dilemma of approval. The Pharisee and the rich young ruler each believed that they had approval because of what they had done. See, Romans, Romans 10 tells us about this thought process. It says this, Romans 10, 3, for being ignorant of the righteousness of God or approval of God and seeking to establish their own, they did not submit to God's righteousness. Now here's the, here's the truth about both scenarios. Both did good things. Right? The Pharisee was generous. He was a good husband. Look, it sounds like to me he was a good husband. Sounds like he fasted two times a week. That's, that's, fasting is good. That's a good thing to do. It's an obedient thing to do. And he had the rich young ruler. No adultery. No murder. He honored his dad and his mom. Like, those are good things. We support all of those. But the issue wasn't that they did them. The issue for both men in both scenarios was a heart issue. The issue was a worship issue. See, the Pharisee was a self-worshipper. God, thank you that I am not like them and that I do this and that I do this and that I do this. And then his prayer was about himself and then his, his prayer was also that he compared himself to other people to show how awesome that he was. He was a self-worshipper. And the rich young ruler, now on, on the surface it's like, well, he was a self-worshipper too, but we're going to read on. He wasn't necessarily a self-worshipper, he was a stuff worshiper. He had a Pharisee that worshipped himself and a rich young ruler that worshipped his stuff. Read with me. Look at verse 22. Right? So you got this, you got this rich young ruler. He's like, yeah, Jesus has been doing that. Says that kid, no problem. I got this down. And Jesus goes, oh, there's one thing you still lack. Sell all that you have and distribute it to the poor, and you, you will have treasure in heaven. And come, follow me. But when he heard these things, he became very sad, for he was extremely rich. There's, account, there's an account of this in the book of Mark as well. Says says similarly the same thing, but I, it says it like this: Mark chapter ten, verse twenty-two, about the rich young ruler. When when Jesus told him that, it says, disheartened by the saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. See, G Jesus always goes right to the heart. Right, this isn't some prescriptive passage for how you are saved, right? So I don't want you to come here and go, oh man, I have to sell everything that I own, give it to the poor, and then I will be saved. No, this is a, Jesus told this to one person here, and the reason he told this guy is because he knew what sat on the throne of his heart, and he knew that he was going to be unable to do it. 
Jesus knew where this rich young ruler got his approval. So the Pharisee was in love with himself, and the rich young ruler was in love with his stuff. And the beautiful thing about Jesus is that he loved them all enough to call it out. He loved them all enough to unmask their hearts. Hill City Church, anything, anything that reigns in your heart, anything, anywhere, any person that you go to outside of Jesus to get approval will eventually cause you to run from the only person that can fully gain you approval. The only person that can make you righteous. Jesus. And I can confidently say this. If all of us went out to the streets of Springfield, Missouri, and we took a camera and a microphone... Or, or, or whatever, we don't even have to have that. And we just took to the streets and we just asked a couple of questions. Or a question maybe in a couple different ways. And here, here would be a question. If we just went to the streets and said, hey, if you, if you were to die today and you met God and he asked you, why should I let you in to my heaven? What would be your answer? Or if we took to the streets of Springfield and said, hey, do you believe you're going to heaven when you die And if they say yes, because nearly 100% of them will say that, then go, why? And here's the answer you're going to get. Are you ready? This is the answer most of the people you ask. Because I'm going to heaven because I can stand beneath the arch and I can jump up and I can touch the top of it. That's that's what you're going to hear. So, that's, so you do that. Oh, yeah, I do that. I do it every day. I actually walk to St. Louis, and I jump up, and I touch the top of the arch, and I walk back every day. That's the answer you're going to hear. Now, not literally. It's going to sound more like this. Are you going to go to heaven when you die? Of course. Why? Well, because I'm a good person. I mean, I try to live a good life. I mean, I don't steal. I'm, I'm kind to people. I mean, I've been not murdering since I was born. And that, that's, what, that's why you're going to heaven? Yeah, I can jump up and touch the arch. It's equally as foolish Can I tell you that? It's equally as foolish. You don't get in because you're a good person. You don't get in because you're generous, because you're a good husband, because you fast, because you don't commit adultery, you don't murder, because you honor your dad. That is not how it works. So then that brings us to this. What do we do about this dilemma of approval? Because it is a dilemma. Here's what I know. It is impossible for any of us to stand below the arch and jump up and touch the apex of the arch. That's what I know. It is impossible. Go to verse 27. 
Those who heard it said, then who can be approved? Those who heard it said, who could be righteous? Those who heard it actually literally said, who can be saved? Those who heard it said, who then can jump up and touch the apex of the arch? And he said, what is impossible with man is possible with God. So what do we do about this dilemma? I'm going to give you a couple things. Number one, approval can happen through proper repentance. So what do I mean by that? I just read you a parable. I told you the parable was about a Pharisee and a tax collector, but we didn't say anything about a tax collector. So jump back up in Luke and let's see what happens with this tax collector. Because this Pharisee prays. Starts talking about all the stuff that he does, that he does, right, to get his righteousness, to get his approval. And verse 13 says this, but the tax collector, standing far off, would not even lift up his eyes to heaven. Now, we don't have time to dive into a tax collector and what that was to society. We are going to do that next week, but, but j- j- just stay with me. He would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but he beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. What did this tax collector do? Here's what he did. He admitted who he was. Some commentaries will say the way Jesus actually said this was that the tax collector didn't say, be merciful to me, a sinner, but that Jesus would have said, be merciful to me, the sinner. You see the difference? The Pharisee is like comparing. And the tax collector didn't even do that. He didn't even say like, man, be merciful to me, a sinner among a bunch of other sinners, because that's, be merciful, right? He didn't soften the blow. Jesus, be merciful to me, the sinner. And that's how we have to go before the Lord. We cannot compare. It's us and our junk before the Lord. God, be merciful to me, the sinner. That is proper repentance. And here's what Jesus said. This man went down to his house justified. Listen, the rich young ruler went, didn't he? Right? He went away sad. He's, no, this, this is, this is kind of scary, kind of scary here. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. See, if we're going to do anything about this dilemma of righteousness, we have got to repent properly. But there's something else that has to, has to happen. So you have this, you have this parable about a Pharisee and a tax collector. And Luke does this deal where he's like, and then he tells a story on, on below about 
a rich young ruler, but right in the middle, right in the middle, look what Luke does. There's something else. See, it's not that we just need to properly repent. Here's what we have to do, Hill City Church. We have to admit that we're just babies. Look at verse 15. It says, now they were bringing even infants to him that he might touch them. And when the disciples saw it, they rebuked them. Now you can read this in Mark. This kind of, this ticked Jesus off. He wasn't thrilled about it. Verse 16, but Jesus called them saying, let the children come to me and do not hinder them. For to such belongs the kingdom of God. Of God. Now look at verse 17. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. It's like not like you don't have an option. Now let me be very clear. Jesus is not speaking to a baby's innocence or a baby's humility or even a baby's cuteness. Jesus is not drawing attention to the virtues of children. This is a child of wrath. I'm just telling you what Ephesians says. So what's Jesus talking about? Jesus is drawing attention to a baby's helplessness. He's drawing attention to the neediness of a baby. This is little Luke. See, little Luke, what you guys don't know is little Luke's been up since 3 a.m. I don't know if little Luke has, but I know little Luke's daddy's been up since 3 a.m. I just talked to him backstage. You know why? Because he's needy. He's helpless. He is completely dependent upon someone else. He had no choice if he was going to be on this stage or not. Lord, I need you. I need you. How often? Every hour, I need you. Like a baby. It's not, Lord, I needed you at one time in my life. It's, Lord, I need you all the time. And just like a baby is completely dependent upon his parents, we are completely dependent upon God and God alone. We cannot come to God any other way. Listen, anything that babies have, anything that he has, comes from receiving it. He has not achieved anything. Are you with me? Like, like his parents didn't sit him on the floor and say, 
I will dress you when you earn it. His parents didn't sit him in their house and say, you will get your bottle when you achieve your bottle. That's not how it works. Approval can only come by recognizing one's neediness just like a baby and then receiving what you can never earn. And Jesus says, if you don't do that, you don't get the kingdom. See, the heart of the Pharisee was this. I'm not like one of those. Like, I've got this. I'm awesome. I don't really need Jesus because I do these things. Wasn't the heart of the tax collector. He's acting like his daddy, Stephen. So he was quiet for, for a while, he's acting like his mom, but then he started acting like his dad. No. Kind of reminds me of the Psalms, specifically Psalms chapter 51. And may this be our heart this morning, Hill City Church. May, may we have the heart to say, God, for I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you and you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. But we have the heart to say what verse 6 says, Behold, you delight in the truth of the inward being. and You teach me wisdom in the secret heart. And on in verse 10, where we, may we be able to say, God, create in me a clean heart. And renew a right spirit in me. See, God, you have to create in me a clean heart because nothing I can do can clean my heart. I can't create in myself a clean heart, oh God. I'm a dependent baby that must have you do this for me. The Pharisee and the rich young ruler did not get what the tax collector got. They did not get what the psalmist got. They did not get... That they were a sinner. They they were unable to say, I am a sinner and you are the only one that makes me clean and you do it actually from the inside out. The Pharisee and the rich young ruler were both deceived into thinking that they could do it and they worked from the outside in. Hill City Church, you can literally fool 100% of the people on this planet about what is in here. But you cannot fool God. Do you achieve your righteousness? Do you achieve your approval? Do you earn it? Do Do you contribute to it? Here's the default mode. When we start thinking that we achieve something, this is the pattern. We, we think we achieve it because we think we earned it. 
And then here's where it gets really evil. Then we start to believe that we deserve it. And Jesus says, that is not how it works in my kingdom. See, we can never do enough to achieve, to earn, to contribute, to deserve approval. We can never do enough to merit righteousness. To think we can is equally as foolish in thinking that we can go to the St. Louis Arch and jump up and touch the apex of it. Jesus is the only one who achieved it. Jesus is the only one who earned the approval of God. Jesus is the only one that contributed to the approval of God. Jesus is the only one that deserves the approval of God. And if we could earn it, if we could contribute to it, if we deserved it, then the cross did not have to happen. See, both the Pharisee and the rich young ruler were deceived into thinking that they could earn it. And Jesus, in this passage, we see him lifting the veil and showing them who they really were. See, Jesus loved them enough to tell them the truth. Jesus loved them enough to tell them, you are not who you think you are. Jesus loved them enough to tell them, you cannot do what you think you can do. And I think that he's telling us the same thing today. So Hill City Church. How will you go away today? See, the rich young ruler, he went away sad. The Pharisee, he went away unjustified. If you guys go away from here today thinking that God is proud of you or that God approves of you because you came to church today. God is proud of you. He approves of you because you sang songs today, because you prayed today. Maybe you were a really good husband this week. If you go away, listen, I love you. If you go away thinking that, you are going away just like the Pharisee. That's not how it works. See, our approval our righteousness was imputed to us. For those of us who trust Jesus, for those of us who have properly repented, see, righteousness and approval was imputed to us or attributed or ascribed or assigned, right? It's called the great exchange. We read about it, 2 Corinthians 5.21. It says this, For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So that in Jesus, in other words, we might become approved by God. Jesus did it. He died on a cross, he was buried, and he rose again. Dilemma solved. Nothing 
Nothing in my hand I bring. Simply to the cross that I cling. Naked come to thee for dress, kind of like a baby. Helpless look to thee for grace. Foul, I to the fountain fly. Wash me, Savior, or I will die. Thank you, Jesus, that our great dilemma is solved. God, it's my prayer that for everyone in the room, God, myself, so everyone in the, all the way in the back, God, I pray that we will quit the foolishness of standing below the arch and jumping and trying to touch the top of it. May we rest in the finished work of Jesus and know without a doubt that that is where we get our approval. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.